0: So, today's sermon, level four lockdown, once again. And uh, this morning I'm going to share a topic that I shared with probably about two, three years ago, uh, but I really felt the need to share on it again as I believe that God was laying it on my heart over the last two weeks. But we all find ourselves in a real precarious situation right now. Um, I, I, we, we spoke before. And I mentioned it Nana, that uh, COVID has really affected us in a a bad way. You know, it's been a thing of church open, church closed, church open, church closed. We've had family members that have been sick. We've lost loved ones. Um, We've lost church members. And uh, it's been a hectic season for all of us. And I think the challenge for most of us as believers today is this, that it's not a matter of it's a lack of faith or a fear thing. But also, we've also got to come to understanding that it's a thing that we need to use, our wisdom, in the season that we find ourselves in right now. We need to use wisdom in what it is that God is saying to us. And I know many people have said to me, if God is God, why does God, is God eradicate this thing from the earth? And, and my answer stays the same as what it did 18 months ago. But have we done enough for God to lift the virus? Have we done enough for God to lift the virus? And I need to speak about this this morning and chat a little bit around it because... I believe we need to catch the heart of what is happening in our nation. It's not a time for us to become despondent. Because the Word of God says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard. And, 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 and I've said this before, but, but in the old Greek writings, there wasn't any apostrophes or commas. And so it often would read like this that when the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard. And I think that's the scripture I was trying to grab hold of that. When the enemy comes in, like a flood, God will raise up a standard. And I know I've preached this before, but I believe in without a shadow of a doubt that this is our time and this is our season. This is the time to arrive, the time to build, and, and time to do what God has called us to do. I said it last week that when we went through the first wave and the first wave that COVID hit us, and I think in South Africa, we watched America and, and Brazil and Argentina, the figures go through the roof and like, Oh well, you know, are we gonna be okay? Are we gonna be good? And then, push we had this level lockdown. And the thing is that in the first lockdown we had is that like everyone needed Jesus. Am I right or wrong? Everyone needed Jesus. I remember just going online and on, on Facebook, and man, there was sermon after sermon, the title. I mean, people were, were just giving it up to Jesus. People were falling me, And there was this real fear that people were going to die without Jesus. And, and the crazy thing was that even those people that did not believe in Jesus, that did not believe in church, did not believe in, in what it is that we do. We found them even crying out for help because of fear of dying and, and not knowing where they went to. And I think it was fantastic. And we, and we almost saw like this a um, mini revival in the first wave of what God was doing. And I remember we were excited and we were excited about what God was doing. And then the second wave came. And the second wave wasn't that bad. We just found that all of a sudden people didn't attend church and all of a sudden membership disappeared and all of a sudden online things dropped where we had, you know, when some churches, almost, when people had a hundred views or a hundred people watching, all of a sudden dropped right out to like 20, 15 people. Um, I mean the whole church system crashed. I'm not speaking about us, I'm speaking in general. I mean, I speak, like I was probably I speak to 9 or 10, 11 pastors and everything just crashed because almost we've made it through the second wave. Thank you, Jesus you know in a sense and we don't need church. And then there was the rumour of third wave. And there was rumour was how oh, we don't know this is gonna happen, how bad can it really be, not even thinking of, or putting into account that the doubt of will be us from India. And all of a sudden we find ourselves stuck in again. idea. And we're losing more loved ones and we're losing more people than ever before. And so I'm gonna share a passage from Second Kings chapter three this morning. And, uh, and I don't want be long, but I'm going to share this because I find ourselves very much in the same situation. But I'm going to paraphrase a little bit um, around um, 2 Kings chapter 3. And it starts like this. Now Jeroboam, the son of Ahab, we all know Ahab and Jezebel. Ahab and Jezebel, Ahab was the king of Israel. Um, his wife Jezebel, that caused all the problems, and we know they both died. And when they died, their son, Jeroboam took over as king. Now the problem is, well, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, that when... Jeroboam the as king, you've got to understand that just before that, that the, the, that okay, let me just read quickly. It says, Okay, so the son of Ahab became kingdom of Israel and Samaria, and the 18 and 18 years of Jehoshaphat, king of Judea, and he reigned 12 years. Alright? And he did evil to the son of the Lord. Listen, he did evil to the son of the Lord, but did not like his father, his, not like his father, and his mother. For he was he would put away all sacred pillars of Baal that his father had made. Nevertheless. He persisted in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made own sin, and he did not depart from them. So you've got to understand something that he didn't even change much of his ways. He just carried on. But because he was the king of Israel, because he was God's appointed king in the sense that people voted him, there was so favored that came towards him. And, and verse 1 says, And now the king of Moab, was a sheep breeder, and he regularly paid the king of Israel 100,000 land, and, and the wool of 100,000 rams per year. So you're going to stand, it's almost like a tithe that came in towards Israel every single year. I mean, you think about it 100,000 sheep and 100,000 wool of rams every year was was just the king of Moab's tithe towards uh, the the king of Israel. And all of a sudden, when when, uh, Ahab dies and Jeroboam takes over, the king of Moab says, You know what? i'm not going to do this anymore i'm not going to give anymore because i don't believe what you do and so that's the story and the story carries on what happened was is that jeroboam goes to um the other kings two other kings um let me just catch up here quickly verse 5 says but it happened when ahab died that the king of Moab rebelled against the king of israel and the king of jeroboam went out of samaria at that time and busted all of israel then he went and he sent joseph back King of Judea saying, The king of Moab has rebelled against us. Would you go with me to fight against Moab? And he said, I will go with you. I am your you are. My people are your people, my horse are yours. Then he said, Which way shall we go? And answered, he said, By the way of the wilderness. And so the king of Israel went with the king of Judea and the king of Eden. So what happened was that he said, You know if this guy's not going to give to us? We're in crisis. He grabbed another two kings with him. They said they're going to go to attack Moab, they're going to destroy Moab completely, and they're going to go by the desert. And the story goes on that they travel for seven days. Now for seven days, they hunt, and they go towards Moab to destroy Moab. And so, but what happens is that, that in the seven-day journey, they find themselves without water. And the word says that the men were without water, the animals were without water, and even the cattle that were following were without water. And I'm going to pick up quickly, um, from verse 16, alright, and so if verse 16 says this, uh, sorry, let me go up to verse 13, wait, I'm going to go, sorry, I'm all democratic, verse 12, so Jehoshaphat, what he does is, he's now, in serious trouble, I mean, here, Jeroboam has now brought all these soldiers, now you can understand, if you watch those wartime things on TV, they enactment of all these things, What happened was there was hundreds and thousands of men that went to war. This wasn't like a small army, this was hundreds and thousands of men that all of a sudden dragged through the desert to one city to destroy them. And all of a sudden we find that Jeroboam finds himself in a place where he's in charge and he's got the water to give his people. And he must be thinking in his mind, have we done the right thing? You know, have we done the right thing? Is it possible that all these people that have since basically sacrificed their life to go to war with me, we are going to physically die in this desert because there's no water. And the most amazing thing happens though is that Jeroboam then cries out and he says something, he says, is there not a man of God amongst us? And and I want you to go read that, but it's an incredible story. That in the time of need, even though he didn't serve God faithfully, even though he did as evil as his mom and dad, even though he was at war, it's amazing that when the time came, when he was in a time of need, the first person he wanted to fight was God. And, and when I was preparing this thing, I thought, isn't this just like the world right now? There's a whole thing that says the God in need is a God in need. And the problem is that we try and live our lives la vida loca as much as we can. We want to draw, we want to do our stuff, we want to never do church, we want to skip church, we skip our Bible studies. we do all these kinds of things. When life is good, when life is good, somehow there's no need for a God. When life is good, we pray less. When life is good, we read the word less. When life is really good, the church doesn't see us. The problem is that the minute minute we hit a crisis, Everybody, even though they don't believe in a God, needs to find a God. It's the most ridiculous thing, and it just doesn't happen once. I watch people do it over and over and over and over again. Every time they need, they need to run to God. I remember even at school. You know, we never, we never went to church. We never did. Youth, but exams came. You know, exams came. Man, we were like, we were like priests. I mean, we would sit down on ashes, pray to God, you know, all we wanted was 50%. We was no real school those days. You needed 50% to pass. you know, not, not 12%. All right. But I mean, we would pray and we would seek God with all of our hearts and then I mean, we would beg God. And You know, I remember standing from the principal's office being in trouble and saying, Oh Lord, if you're real, you know, show yourself to me, Lord. Lord. That the principal show mercy on me. And often when they can laugh for how crazy it was And never spoke to the never spoke to God. Never spoke to you. But he told me, oh my boy, he was the first person that I grabbed a hold of. him fight Jeroboam as well. All of a sudden he's just panic and they're gonna die in the desert. And he knows what his father did, he knows what his mother did, he knows the life, that he lives. And he says all of a sudden, oh, isn't there a man of God that can help us? I think maybe they should call that a man of God before they win the war. But this is the funny part. Is that we get ourselves into trouble, but then we need a God to get us out of trouble. You know, instead of seeking the God first before we go into situations, we first go in and then we want God to predict in our, on our situation. We want God to, 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 to approve is that our bad behavior or our bad decisions? And there's a funny scripture that goes, no funny scripture, but the scripture goes on and the the one thing says, man, there's a guy by the name of Elisha here. He was the man that used to wash Elisha's hands. And so they call him out. And and I want you to go read this, alright? I want you to go read this. And I'm going to read from verse 16, following me. And so he comes before the, the, the prophet. And it's amazing, though, that we're in a season, and listen to me, church, before I ever read this, we're in a season where the world is going to look for the man and woman of God right now. Listen to me carefully. You think that, oh, we did a great job in the first wave, and the church did a great job in the second way. We have no idea what is about to happen in our nation. We've got no idea what God is about to do. And God can only do what He needs to do through His people. Through his people, through the standard that he raises up. And let me tell you something, we come into a place in society once again where the world is crying isn't there a man of God? Isn't there a prophet? Isn't there somebody amongst us that can give us direction right now? Because let me tell you something, whether you like it or not, our nation is absolutely without direction right now. And we've got, we got pastors saying one thing on the other hand, we've got politicians saying one thing on the other hand, we've got rebellious churches on the other hand, everybody wants to weigh in with a little of an opinion. And everyone is saying, well, until you tell the government, this is what we're going to do. And the government is saying, no, no, this, no, 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 what we need to do right now is to find the man of God. More than that, we need to find God right now. Because let me tell you something, the situation is not going to be solved by a vaccine, it's not going to be solved by government, it's not going to be perhaps, some pastor threatening in the world. It has to be through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it has to be found in the presence of God. And we keep missing it. Verse 14, and the said to the kids, As the Lord of us lives before whom I stand surely, we, I'm um, sorry. We not. I regard the presence of Joseph. That was one of the kings of Judea. I will not even look and nor see you. He turned around and said, "I'm not even prepared to help you because you've got nothing to deserve my help." But he says, "Bring me a musician." And then it happened when the musician played, and the hand of the Lord came upon him, and he said, "Thus says the Lord." make this lady full of ditches. Now you can understand something this morning. Like what the, the, the prophet basically said to him was this. There is no water around us. Things seem impossible that we are going to die in this desert. And even, even, the, I don't believe that the king was asking for water. I think the king was asking how we get out of the situation when. I don't think water was on his mind because there was no water. I mean, in B, we know what it's like at the moment. There is no water. And the only miracle that's going to happen is it's going to rain. It's it going to rain for us to get anywhere. And he says, I oh, bring a musician. And it happened that when music played and the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, Thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. For thus saith the Lord, Listen to this: you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain, yet the valley will be filled with water, so that your cattle and your animals may drink. Just, just... Give this for a moment quickly. We, we must listen. You see, we believe that if we ask God for something, there's an some order that He needs to do it in. Right or wrong? I mean, he needs the moment we are damn. So what are we praying for? We pray for rain. We pray, we believe that rain is the only thing that can solve it right now. And so was these three kings. They believed that if God could make it rain in the sense, they could gather the water and they would be able to survive. But before they could even think about that thought, the prophet says, oh, and by the way, it's not going to come from the rain, it's not going to come from the wind, it's not going to come from the seasons. I will provide, says God. That's a huge statement. He says, all I require of you is to go dig some trenches. Go dig some holes, go dig some ditches in the valley. Now, now I don't know about you, but, but if I'm standing and I've been watching for seven days in the desert, and, and we haven't got water, and we haven't had water, and we know we're going to die, and some little prophet by the name of Elisha okay, it says to three kings standing in front of him Dude, if you guys want to live, grab your spades, go out into the flutter, and go dig some holes. So, 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 so if I say tomorrow morning, I'll get a little video out say the Lord PE, if you guys desire water in your dams, I want to water, grab a spade, and tomorrow morning I want you to dig your front yard full of ditches, because I will provide. How many of us would do it? How many of us would do it? See, but the thing is here, is that these people find themselves in a life or death situation. We find ourselves in a lot of a situation. And they must be thinking, what are we going to do? If it's not going to rain and it's not going to come from the good, then where's the water going to come from? And why would we even want to dig the church? You see, we're in a season right like now, church, where we may maybe not seeing the hand of God as we believe move as powerfully as we want. You know, we're not seeing the revival that everyone's speaking about. We've not seen the church explode like everyone predicted in the first and the second wave that when the church is open, there's not going to be enough space. Let me tell you something, most churches, even when we were opened up full, weren't getting more than 30% of their people back. But we're in a season right now, where you and I need to learn to dig ditches for what is about to come. You see, it's not going to happen the way we think. It's not going to happen with the rain, it's not going to happen to the wind, it's not going to happen, through, but God, but God in the situation. We've got to understand something, that God can only fill the ditches to the capacity of a ditch. And the problem is that I felt that in the first two waves, we dug our little ditches this deep. And God filled them. You see, but the little ditches that we dug were only this deep, only lasted us a big or two or three. And we were on fire for Jesus and we were doing all the great stuff. But all of a sudden it ran out. Now I don't know about you, but God says, I'm bringing water. And he says, "Good, you will not die because I'm bringing water. Let me tell you something, I'm not going to dig a ditch like that. I'm going to dig a hole. I need to dig something different. And the problem is this, is that how do we dig ditches in our season? Let me tell you something, you need to prepare for what God is about to do. We dig ditches every day in our worship. We dig ditches every single day in our prayer life. We dig ditches every single day when we read the word of God. We dig ditches every single day when we pray for one another. These are the ditches that God needs to fill in the season that you and I set ourselves in. But we're not digging anything. We're just standing on that sideline and going, surely we're going to die. Surely there is no hope. The crazy part about the story is, is that the Word of God says that the next morning, the mobiles wake up, and they look across the desert, and they see this glistening, and as the sun comes up, the Word says, it looks like the entire valley is full with blood. I love that analogy. I love that analogy, because for me, it's always that Jesus, it's His blood that saved us. I know, I know I'm changing here, but, but I love that story. You know why? Because the Moabites, the minute they saw the blood, they thought they were victorious. The minute that the Moabites stood at their camp and they looked across the valley and they saw this glistening that looked like blood, they thought that the three kings have got up in each other's grill, they beat each other, they killed each other, and they were only going to recover the loot, the relive. The Moabites were fully convinced that those three nations had destroyed themselves and they were coming to collect the loot. Isn't it crazy? We're in that situation right now. We're in that situation right now where the world, the enemy thinks that he's closed the church, that he's destroyed the church. The enemy is fully convinced that what he's seeing on the horizon when it comes to church life right now is blood. He's convinced at this moment, right now, that the church has basically destroyed themselves. And all he needs to do is pick up the pieces. But the word of God says that when the Moabites walked into that camp, the Israelites were waiting for them. You see, from the Israelites' side, they just saw saw thousands and millions of liters of water in these ditches that they dug. From the Moabites' side, all they saw was blood. See, it depends which side of the coin you look at things from. Because I want to be on this side, where God's provision is clear to me. No, we don't know how it works, it, and a lot of people have discovered it, but basically what happened, there was no rain. Basically what happened was there was no wind, nothing. And a lot of to say what happened was there was a river that was 100 miles away or something like that, that God diverted the river and changed the course of the river to come and fill those ditches. That's incredible. Because if that's the truth, I'm going to say to God's about to move a river for you. Sure. God's about to deliver it for you. But God can only fill your dish to the capacity that you need. God can only fill your dish according to the capacity you need. You see, God doesn't have to answer our prayers ever. Think about it. He doesn't have to be this amazing God. The problem is that we are looking at it from the mobile side. Because so many of us are standing on this side and we're looking at the provision of God and the water that God provided, but we're not seeing it as water, we're seeing it as death. And we speak this stuff. We say, oh, half our nation's going to die from COVID. And, and all our business, our business is going to close down now because of COVID. You know, our bottle stores is going to shut down now because of COVID. This is going to, you think, the word of God says life and death is in the tongue. is in the power of the tongue. And it depends which side are you standing on. And if you're going to stand on the Mobile side and think that the enemy has got the capacity to destroy everything in your life, to destroy your family, to destroy your future, to destroy your job, to destroy your finances, I want to say you need to move to the other side. Yeah. Because that very same thing the mobot saw as, as death, when we stand on this side, we see the blessings of God. Now maybe me tell you something. You're still alive, you're on the side. If you're still alive and you're enjoying it, you come through goat, you come through retreatings and you come through all this kind of stuff, you're still on this side. But I want to say this to you that I want to stand in this side, I want to see the glistening of the water. I don't want to see, I only dug one puddle for God to fill. Yeah. And that's what most of us do. That whenever we need, we dig a puddle. We just we, we we don't want to dig a pad, we want to dig a puddle. And, and, and we want God to fall the puddle, but we want the puddle to sustain us for the next five years. You know, we don't want to read the word of God, but learned in Sunday school 35 years ago, we want that to sustain us. You know, we haven't really spent time in the presence of God for months. But thank you, Jesus, when I was 16, I had only been with you on the road to the Damascus kind of thing. And that's where I No. No. What does your churches look like this morning? What do your churches look like in the midst of this chaos? And I'm saying this to you because I believe we're coming into a season right now where this world going to cry and say, isn't there a man or a woman of God amongst us? Because we need direction. Let me tell you something as a pastor. My prayer is that this government will be the first people to cry out and say, isn't there a prophet amongst us? Isn't there a man or woman of God amongst us that will give us some kind of direction right now? Because this nation needs direction right now. As believers, we need direction right now. I I said this before, and and, and I was chastised about it, but in the second wave I said, oh, the church will never survive the third wave. And someone came to me, don't you speak like that. And she was right. Because we speak death. And even without changing my attitude, I'm in the middle of this third wave, I see the blessings of God upon our life, upon the church, and upon the buildings of what we're doing. And God is doing great stuff. And people are getting saved still. And people are still sharing the gospel. And people are still being healed in our midst. But as a church, I want to say this to you. We need to dig our ditches deep and wide. And I want the enemy to look from a distance. And I want the enemy to think that it's chaos. And I want him to come and come fix the loot. And find out that it's not loot, it, But it's getting a woman of God full of the spirit of God ready to do battle. It's our season to do battle. Yes, we feel right now like like our land has taken. Yes, we feel like we're in the desert right now. Yes, we feel like we're going to die right now. Yes, we feel like the enemy is about to destroy us. But you've got to change your mind because thus saith the Lord. Dig your trenches. Dig your trenches. Because there's a river that I will turn for you. That will fill your camp. That will fill your home. If you're standing on that side, and you're on the Moabite side, I'm going to ask you to change sides this morning. If you're standing on the Moabite side, I want you to change sides and not see the destruction that you believe is happening. But when you come to the side of the children of God of Israel, and they look and they see the glistening, the provision of God in the midst of war, things are going to change in our lives. We need to be ditch ditch diggers. Even in the season, the needs to worship more than he's ever worshipped. Stephen needs to pray more than he's ever prayed. Catherine needs to preach more than he's ever needed to preach. And so it goes on. Because this is not a time to hide. This is not a time to all of a sudden just forget about what God is doing. This is not the time to all of a sudden want to become an online preacher. I believe this is a season right now. A season right now where God wants us to be still. The season right now where God wants us to, to start to dig our ditches by ourselves. You know the crazy thing about this whole passage is, is, that if you just turn a page, just turn one page, to 2 Kings chapter 4, it's the story of the widow, that Elisha rocks up there, and he says, what have you got? And the widow turns around and says to Elisha, all I have is this little bit of flour, this little bit of oil, I'm going to make a loaf. Or bread for my son and myself, and then we're going to die, because there's nothing left. Same principle, Elisha says to go find bottles, go find jars, and the word of God says that as they poured, Elisha poured, uh, the more he poured, the full of the bottles, the bottles filled up, one, 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 the oil only stopped flowing when we ran out of bottles. And let me tell you something, the blessings of God only start flowing towards Israel when the churches were full. What our bottles look like, what our ditches look like this morning. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about the season being right now. I'm excited about what God is doing. People sing that song, I feel the goodness of God all over my life. And that's where we are right now, and I want to leave that with you this morning. I know you sit me a room and I know you're missing church. I know you're missing fellowship one to another. But let me tell you something. There's nothing more powerful than a people that are praying together. This world is going to ask for a man or woman of God. You are going to be that man or woman of God. You're going to be that Elisha in your workplace, in your school, in your offices, in your family. It doesn't matter where. The world is going to look for someone for answers. And I'm trusting God today that you've dug your ditches so deep that they are so full that the overflow of your life is going to make other people turn their lives around. That is what we need in the season. We don't need to survive COVID. We need to prepare for heaven right now. Come on. And who we take with us? We need to be sold out to the things of God. We need to be sold out to the kingdom of God right now. We need to be sold out to what God is doing in the season and in our lives. And let me tell you something, that if we dig enough ditches, I promise you that God will fill your ditches. Mm -hmm. That if you bring enough jobs, the oil will be more than enough in your life. But it all depends on you today. And I want to throw this back to you. Stop worrying about regulations. Stop worrying if you go to level five. Don't worry what this one says, what that one says. I want you to see God for you. And speak up there, and say, God, I'm going to be a ditch figure. I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know where the rain is going to come. I don't know where the water is going to come from. But all that I know that I want to be in that person when I dig, I dig deep, And I dig enough to survive and conquer. That's great. Father, I thank you for this time with you. I thank you for your love and your grace and mercy. And I know it's weird being in front of a camera game, God. I feel like I'm doing a production. But I also know, Father, that there's no space and time in your, in your kingdom. Father, that you can move for a person sitting in front of you just as much as you can move for a person that's in New Zealand right now listening. And we're going to bring our families. We're going to bring our friends to you. But more than that, we want to bring ourselves to you this morning. And may we be that voice of reason in our nation. May we be that voice of reason to our friends and our family. Father, may we know what it is to be safe. The were said it this morning during our prayer time The word says you did not give us spirit of fear, but of love and of peace and of a sound mind. And the problem is we're not using the sound mind because we're living life as if there's not a virus out there. And Father, I pray for wisdom in all of us. I pray for discernment in the season. I pray for healing and deliverance. I pray for every business to survive and every family to financially survive. I want to pray for those are in hospitals right now, our doctors, our nurses. Everyone, Father, may your hand of favor be upon them, may your anointing be upon them, may they all receive your healing touch right now, in Jesus' name. And so, Father, come and have your way in our lives. Come and have your way in all of our lives and our church. We honor you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, just remember that uh, we're obviously going to take our God's offerings. But if you do go to our Facebook page, or onto our adverb, the exact details are there. You can just click on do an EFT to account, and you're the one, you're the one that keeps us going. Alright, blessings, have a good week, have a good day, see you guys next week.